You know, spiritually speaking, life's a bit of a bum rough unless you find your zen, your center, your focus, your divine status, or your God. And then which God? As far as I can tell, and I've been working for the guy or the woman or the entity or the energy for over 30 years now, as man and boy, God is who or what you want God to be. Whether it's a man with a big fluffy beard sitting on a cloud and dispensing justice with thunderbolts in one hand and a cuddle in the other. Whether it's a young, blonde-haired, Caucasian guy living in Palestine at the start of two millennia ago ended up building his own cross and being crucified and in some way redeeming us of all our sins as long as we accept him and take him into our heart whether God is known by another name as Allah as Yahweh as the big daddy Allah as the hate bacon particle, be an evolutionist or creationist, there is a place for your interpretation of God. So long as you subscribe to the theories, practices, rules and regulations of the group that you belong to, nominally called a religion or a faith. Now, that's where I have an issue as a bishop and a priest and a minister and a teacher and a philosophist and a theosophist with more letters after my name than the Chambers English Dictionary or the English language I find there to be a great distinction between religion and faith because religion, you know, well, that's the thing that people create. That's the bugbear. Because it has rules, it has dogmas, it has creeds. And unless you're prepared to subscribe to every single one, to a certain percentage level, depending on the genre of enthusiastic evangelism or the core reticent supporters who've been there because their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did the same thing. You stand on a wobbly footstep. Your house is indeed built on sand because you have to subscribe to religion, be it Christianity, be it Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism, Baha'u'llah, even to degree Buddhism and spiritualism. In fact, all the religions of the world have certain creeds, colors, doctrines and rules you have to obey if you want to get the key to the door and get the seat with your name on where you'll undoubtedly sit or stand or kneel every week at the appointed time 
and you'll take part in group cognizance lessons cosily covered in fluffiness with lots of great songs or some old-fashioned hymns or somebody calling you to make you turn up a lot of guilt I mean the Catholics and the Jews say they have that in abundance but believe you me the majority of the world's religions rely on guilt rely on your sense of self-loathing your sense of sin that you have personally invoked by your actions in order to keep you under control in order to make you obey those rules faith on the other hand or belief on your third hand if you had some sort of uh, genetic displacement creation going on in the womb now that's way more personal that's individual that's liberating because faith by its very nature is personal yes you may belong to a religion where you follow those creeds and dogmas, those rules, those threats that are veiled in an oral effigy of love, compassion and care. But nevertheless, are very strict and very demanding of you and expect your utter and total devotion. Faith on another way is for you it's personal it's a way in which you the individual and I'm talking to you Adam I'm talking to you Sophie or you um, Khaled or you Benjamin or you Chad whoever you may be or wherever you are if you're listening to this and I'm talking to me Barry as well Faith is something that you have control of. Because in faith you develop a personal, unique, or uniquely interpreted and enacted relationship with your concept of the divine creative power. And you know what? You people in white coats sat there shaking your head saying, Oh, it's such a little tosh. You also have your faith. You have your belief, your constant, semi-divine belief in the practicalities of your scientific research. And that in itself is a faith. You physicists who do your weaving of your magical and way beyond my simple arts-educated comprehension work where you start a formula and build on the processes that you see and can prove before you. It's just as much a faith as having a faith in God as a Christian or Allah as a Muslim. And don't kid yourself that it's not. And there's another connection in faith and science that everything I've talked about evolutionism the scientific 
Prometheus, the the great god of the 19th century, as proposed by Charles Darwin, and all the subsequent discussions, papers, theories, lectures, debates on the existential meaning of life, the philosophical quest for the why we're here, how we're here, where we go, what we do after this life, how we can travel in leaps and bounds, how we can be scientifically probed, investigated, channeled, focused, manipulated, and even cut up, dissected, and inspected. That power is immense. And it's freeing and liberating, as I said before. For those of us who are people of faith in the quasi-religious sense, it's also very liberating. Especially when you're involved in a religious body that, as I say, require strict adherence to the rules. Any deviation is unacceptable. You must obey the creeds and commands that we give you often based and cited in ancient, written, oral traditions of our forebears for many years before. Your faith, in secret, allows you to personally relate to the divine source as you want to do. And it's very much in association or collusion, if you like, with the commandments, the laws, the suggested activities that are constant in all of the major world religions in one form or another. But for the purposes of this podcast, I will refer to the teachings of the Master Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth, the man, the rabbi, the teacher, who said, you know what? There are only two rules to live by. That you acknowledge, love and respect that there is something greater than you in the world. Again, that runs through science just as it does through religion and faith. That eternal quest to find the divine source or the divine creator, the Higgs-Boson activities in CERN, trying to find that one tiny little gem of electrical energy that sparked the whole of creation and runs constantly through all our genetic codes. So our DNA is mainly unique to us and to the plant world and all the other in their various... Uh, formats and don't ask me to explain them all because I have enough difficulty with um, our own DNA double helix and comprehending that let alone trying to work out how plants are created how a grain of sand is constructed and all the other bits and pieces that constitute this planet in which we exist and in which we aim to evolve and grow as a society it's just as much in that scientific thought as it is in the religious-based faiths of the world. It's just that in the faiths we have a slightly more simplistic view on it at face value because the divine creator we have often personified 
we have given a human attachment to, or at least a human, no spiritual aspect to, so that we may feel more comfortable by it. For me, the divine creator is energy. An energy that we call God, and that I'll often still talk to, even though, having grown philosophically and spiritually, I know there's no point in talking to the divine creator, because the divine creator is energy. However, that works for me, and that's faith. And if it works for you to still see the fluffy-bearded man or the beautiful woman atop a cloud dispensing thunderbolts or stood in an oyster shell dispensing love through her simplistic and naive nudity and simplicity, then good for you. I'm pleased for you, and I will support you all the live long day, just as much as I'll support those who believe in the Higgs boson particle, or what created the Higgs boson particle. And then what created the thing that created the Higgs boson, and well, you know what I mean. So that's the first rule, and that is constant to all of us. It's in politics, it's in education. There's always somebody higher up the food chain or something higher up that in some way interacts with us, through us, by us and for us and gives life, meaning, light and joy to this tiny little blip in an equally blippy galaxy in an ever-expanding universe that is almost certainly a blip on the surface of the trillions of universes that possibly exist out there in the solar systems above and around and underneath us and through us. And the second rule Jesus said, once you've got the idea of accepting that there is something bigger than you, i.e. we are not the be-all and end-all, everything does not stop with us. There is always something or someone out there to challenge us further if we choose to investigate and find the next step. Second of all, he said, it's very simple, but it's so hard to fulfill. And that is to love your neighbor as you would have them love you. In other words, to be kind to people and get kindness back to give a blessing to somebody in their life and get it back sevenfold if it's not from that person, from somebody else but to do a bad thing get that back sevenfold because it goes against natural order and again in we bring the scientists partners in a position not sorry, not in a position in opposition, if you didn't hear me that clearly, I do have a slight cold and those scientists who don't believe us in faith and say we're all loonies treading up the same path and blindly following without thought haven't given consideration to faith. And many of us who do blindly follow up the nave, up the church pathway, through um, the synagogue to the Holy of Holies, 
kneeling um, in front of the imam as he counts his prayers and we'll follow together, looking to the left, looking to the right, looking up, looking down, cupping our ears, snorting water through our nose, washing our hands and feet before we go in, all those different bits and pieces that make us feel part of the collective. You too, in your world of laboratories where everything has order whilst you're working with chaos but there is still an ordered pattern you still are required to love and respect your neighbour as you would have them love you and sometimes that means having arguments with your colleagues sometimes it means debating when I say an argument I mean a genuine argument to opposing Opinions brought together and debated until you come to a consensus or a conclusion. But always running through that is respect for not only your colleagues, but also the matter on which you are working, because science requires respect at its base level. You have to understand what you are working with, or you have to be open-minded enough to investigate what you are working with. And the same is true of faith. We are called to respect that there is something greater than us. We are called to love one another equally and without favour. That second one is a very, very hard one for most of us of faith. Some of the extremists in religious circles cause way, way more damage than Ken Yarn chucking a few rockets in the air and threatening World War Three. Although, were he to launch an atomic or nuclear weapon, undoubtedly the fallout, and I don't mean the grey snow and the, the blast and the cancer and all the other things that come from it, but I mean with absolute certainty the decimation of society's rules and the anarchy and the chaos that would follow. There's science breaking apart faith. So our message today is, look not to religion, look not to the strictures of science, but look more to faith, look more for your personal journey, your growth, and the power and the majesty that that can afford you, for you are the Higgs boson particle at some level, at a minute atomic level maybe a tiny, tiny part of the sphere of spirituality, certainly. But there is so much ahead of you to learn, and so much to seek out, so much by which you can progress both philosophically, scientifically, theologically, or academically. Join together when necessary and work on a common cause. I know for a fact that there are a number of scientific priests or scientist priests who've worked at CERN and continue to do so because they accept that in science we may well find the pathway to the divine. For me it's a more human and personal journey that doesn't necessarily require anything beyond the science of my own biology and my acceptance 
of the planet, its structures, the communities that live on it, both human, animal and plant, and the fact that there's wider worlds out there that we have yet to explore. But I choose to do those in association with my understanding of the divine that is at work in me, through me, by me and for me. And for each and every one of us who I serve and support and guide to think freely for themselves on their spiritual journey. My next podcast, I like to talk about donuts. I did a very good sermon once on donuts. Made very, very, very many people exceptionally hungry. And we had to dive out to a local supermarket and clear out their shelves of all their pastries for afterwards with our cups of tea instead of the usual malted milk biscuit. But it was a great time and a great adventure. I may choose to talk about the principles of spiritualism or the creeds and rules of the Benedictine monasteries or the wasabis. I might look at Jewish Reformation or I could look at personal development. In the meantime, sorry, that's my husband snoring next to me as I lie here in bed and record this, my first book podcast for the CSJ, the Community of St. John the Divine, and Spirit Shack TV podcasts, the Spirit Shack podcast. Visit us on YouTube at Spirit Shack TV and watch some of our broadcasts on there. You can visit Borderline John on YouTube, my husband and my fellow priest who gives mindfulness and positive living messages on his channel, as well as retro games reviews for those of you who are into your Playstations and your Dreamcasts and all the other bits and pieces. See science working hand in glove with faith. Leave the religion aside. The religion is for a pastime. Faith is for the now and the future, both scientifically, morally, philosophically and personally. May your interpretation of the divine energy go with you and may your journey be blessed in whatever steps you take. May God in her great magnificence bestow upon you all the blessings of a positive life. Namaste. Shalom. Salam alaikum. Every blessing of the winding waters of the rivers be upon you. May the sun's great majesty in the sky blind your eyes but open your heart with warmth, sincerity and love. May the clouds never darken your pathway. May the crops and the plants, the flowers, the trees and the animal kingdom walk and grow alongside you. And until we meet again, bless you.